and welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today. Romans 8, 29. I'm going to ask you something. How many of you would just love to be like Jesus? For the rest of you? I don't know what to say. <laughs> be like who you want to be, I guess. Jack O'Neill or some famous person, you know? No, truly, in the depth of your heart, I'm asking you a serious question. How many in the deepest part of your heart would say, I would want to be like Jesus more than anybody else? Amen? Amen? Some of you are still hanging out there and say, well, I don't know if I'm going to answer that or not. Now, I'm going to talk about being like Jesus this morning. And I believe before you leave this morning, you're going to have a transformation experience. Because the Holy Spirit comes to change us into His image and likeness. Amen. Romans 8, 29. Every Christian should know their destiny. Okay, and here it is. I'm going to give you your destiny. It's right here. This is the Father's heart. For those whom He, the Father, predestined... Uh, for those who he, he the Father foreknew, he the Father predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Before God ever created, he had a purpose for man to conform him to the image of his Son. That he, the Lord Jesus, could be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And we're to be made into his image and likeness because that's what the Father recreated us in Christ to be. That's your destiny. And if you understand that, your mind should be so blown to think about God, the Father, has made it possible for me to be just like Jesus. And someday, redemption will be completed when we receive a glorified body just like His. Then spirit, soul, and body were totally like Him. Is that awesome? Say this with me. My destiny, My destiny is to be like Jesus. It's not where you wore, wear the band and say, what would Jesus do? You can't do that. But you can do this. I can be who Jesus is. I'll blow your minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I've got that book I wrote. Some of you have read it. It's called uh, As He Is, So Are We, 1 John 4, 17. And that's the truth. All right, so here we go. We've been predestined to be conformed the image of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen? So here it says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
Now, I want to say this to you. The Holy Spirit is never satisfied in your life until you're absolutely walking in the freedom that Christ sets you free in. So if I'm grieving the Holy Spirit, I'm coming against what he's sent in my life to do, and that's to bring me into complete freedom. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to condemn you. He doesn't come to judge you. He comes to conform you to the image of Christ. And if you walk in Christ, you will walk in total freedom. He's the spirit of freedom. Some Christians don't get free till they get to heaven because their flesh is in the way. Anyway, I'm going to bypass this real quick. And we all say all. All All includes you. Right? So that means you're not better than anybody else. You're not God's special little person that says, well, I'm better than everybody else. We'll go past that one. Here we go. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed into his likeness. Now that's powerful into his likeness. Here we go again. What? From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now I want to tell you something. The Spirit of the Lord is Lord on this earth. We have Lord God, Lord Christ, Lord Jesus, and Lord Spirit. We don't used to say in Lord Holy Spirit. Jesus is the head of the church, seated at the right hand of the Father. They sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the Lord on the earth, in the church. So this freedom comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And then we go to chapter 4 here, down to about verse uh, 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers I want you to hear these words, to keep them from seeing, hear the word seeing, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, we've got two words here that's very significant. Seeing light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is going to be very important. Okay. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. See, any true minister is simply a servant to the body of Christ. If you can't serve, you should never lead. Jesus was the model of a servant leader who humbled himself. Wash the feet of man. So if you can't serve, you should never be in a position of leadership. If you can't wash the feet of the saints, you should never be handed leadership. All right. This is good stuff. (laughs) Watch this. For the God who said, light be has shined into our hearts. The God who said, light be out of darkness. Light shine out of darkness. This God who said that, this God has shined into our heart. 
He didn't say, light shine into the hearts of my people. He said, I myself who said light be, I have shined in you. How's he done that? By the Holy Spirit. He has shined in us. Watch this. So this is so powerful. I'm going to say it again for it is the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts. Now, hear these next words to give the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he's going away and he says, now you're the light of the world. Let your light shine. So the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ comes through the church. And we have this light now on the inside of us. And um, so that this light that has shined in us so that we give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that's in the face of Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. You know, see, here's the struggle in Christian life. It's not struggling to be who we are. We struggle to be who we're not. Our struggles with the old man has been crucified. And that's what religion does. It tries to bring the law into a Christian's life and say, you don't measure up. But you've got to believe something. Greater is he that's in you. Now, I know we say this about the world, but let me put it into perspective. Greater is he that's in you than the old man that used to be in you. See, we, we spend too much time trying to do something with the old man that you can't do anything about except reckon him dead. He was crucified on the cross. The do you only knows God. So we have to understand something. The Christian uh, ability to receive all that God has done for us to make us like his son is letting go of the old man. Yeah. So here, this is awesome. Ephesians chapter 1, verse, verse 22. Uh, and he... God the Father has put all things under his, the Lord Jesus Christ's feet, and has made him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You want to see Christ on earth? Look around. We the body... We are the manifestation of Christ on the earth. And that's why, as, as Dorothy was saying, as we love one another, as Christ loves us, that's proof to the world that we're the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news is, it's impossible in our strength to be a Christian. That's like that little bracelet, what would Jesus do? It's making you try and think, well, I'm going to act like Jesus. You can't act like Jesus, but you become like Jesus. It's a huge difference. 
as he is, we are. It doesn't appear yet what we're going to be, but when we see him, we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. Now, there's a, there's a spiritual law in, in, in this. The more you see Jesus, the more you become like him. And we've been called, according to the word of God, to have a face-to-face relationship with him so that we can shine forth the light of the glory of God. Yeah. I'm going to show you how to do that. It could be real hard on your flesh. It's going to be awesome. If the Lord didn't discipline me, I'm, I'm illegitimate. The Father disciplines whom he loves. How does he do that? With his word and his spirit. So here's Rich Van Mickle cruising along, thinking I'm the greatest thing going. I don't think that. It'd be fun, but I don't think that. But here's the deal. I go along and I'm like, man, I have such a great revelation of Jesus. Because see, the whole reason the Holy Spirit came is to give us a revelation of Jesus. The only re- this written word is to give us a revelation of the living word, the Lord Jesus himself. So I'm going through this life wanting to be conformed to the image of Christ. And I bump into myself once in a while. Anybody ever do that? Well, here's the difference between those who don't know him and those who do. Those who don't know him go into condemnation. You're right, I just don't measure up. Man, you know, I bit my dog, kicked my cat out of the house, yelled at my mate. I'm just so unworthy. But the Holy Spirit says, good, this is a great opportunity for you to realize how stupid you are without me. Amen. So when something in my life, God, and he's dealing with me more now than he ever has. Because see, the more I'm being conformed to this image, the Lord has an obligation to show me what part of me is not conformed yet. That's good news. I don't have to change myself. I can't. But I can obey the one who has the power to change me. Am I making sense to you? So when you run into yourself, that's the goodness of God, the grace of God showing you that this is a part of you. It's your anger, your temper, whatever it is. Let me come and take that out. That's not you who you really are. And let me make you like Jesus. You see the difference? Otherwise, you'll go around condemning yourself or you'll go around loving yourself. Loving your opinions more than the word of God. God don't give a flip about your opinions. They're contrary to Christ. You know, there's just some people that just, just they're so opinionated. Now, now, they say, don't think about someone that's not here because I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to them because you're here and they're not. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister. It's amazing to me how many people come to church. Dorothy and I have been in the ministry going into 50 years. And I'll see husbands and wives sitting together and, are you getting that? <laughs> I would be if you'd leave me alone. <laughs> but since you're punching on me, I ain't about to get anything. You just ticked me off. And I'm going to tell you about it when we get home. 
Don't hit your neighbor. Hit yourself. Doesn't matter if they get it or not. Are you going to get it? You're not going to stand before the Lord and accuse someone else for all the things you didn't do. He's going to be looking eyeball, eyeball right to you. And he's going to search you in an instant and see if there's wood, hand stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones. And I will tell you this, there's going to be a mixture. Amen. But I want as much as the wood, hand stubble to burn up this side of heaven. I want to have a lot more silver, gold, and precious stones when I stand before the Lord because then you receive rewards and those who have only wood, hay, and stubble, though they're saved, will lose their rewards. There's rewards in heaven for faithfulness. If you're faithful to the world, you've just lost your rewards in heaven. If you're faithful to the kingdom of God, there's nothing on the world that has any reward to you. I am blessed. Dorothy and I are blessed. We've got wonderful children. Just had our little granddaughter, two weeks old now, and little Amelia Rose, and, and we're blessed. Got six grandkids, and, and uh, we are, I'm telling you, we are blessed. And here's the reason. I let the Lord bless me because I know I can't bless myself. If the testimony in my life is I've been kept by the Lord Jesus Christ. I've tried to commit suicide. I mean, I've done every crazy thing you could think of to ruin my life. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going to let you die. I should have. God is good. And I only know that I'm where I'm at because of how much Jesus loves me. And also how much I desire to experience that love because it's that love that molds me. Paul said the love of Christ constrains me. And every one of you in this room have been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You're his expression of light on this earth. Yeah. It's not only what you say, it's what you do. Right. We have to have the fruit of God. We have to have the character of Christ so that we can walk in more of the power. We have not yet seen what the church is going to be like. The answer to the world, it's not the government. It's not Donald Trump. It's the church bringing forth the light of the glory of Jesus Christ with authority. With authority. Can you imagine some apostle walking up to Nancy Pelosi saying, you witch, you daughter of the devil, always trying to pervert the right ways of God. The hand of God's coming on you and you're going to be dumb for a season. He's going to shut your blaspheming mouth. And then all of a sudden, dumbness comes on her. Say, where do you get that? We ought to look what Paul did to, the, to Bar-Jesus who tried to keep him from talking to the proconsul, who would have been like a governor of the state. And this bar Jesus was trying to keep him from hearing the gospel. And Paul looked at him and said, you son of the devil, always perverting the right ways of God. The hand of God's coming on you and you were not going to be able to see for a season. And mist fell on him. He became blind 
and the poll council or the governor believed because of what he saw. People need to see the authority of the gospel. I believe we're headed into that era. I really do. But he's got to have a people that belong to him. I'm telling you, church, when you start being who you are, God's authority will begin to move through you. It's good news. I'm the fullness of him who fills all in all. Say, how can you say that? I, I am who he says I am. Remember the song you sang this morning? I am who he says I am. And you go to most of Christianity and they say, who do you think you are? Well, I think I'm like Jesus. <gasps> when Jesus said, if I'm like the father, you make yourself one with the father, man, they're ready to throw him over a hill, kill him, crucify him. You get crucified too if you go to another believer and say, you know what, as he is, I am. Most of you are afraid to say it. What would they think of me? Who cares? If you care about it, then Christ hasn't been formed in you yet. You're hiding who Christ has made you be because of the fear of man. It's true. If you are ashamed of the blessings of God then you are sticking your eye, your finger in the eye of God. I'm, I am proud of what Jesus has made me. I'm not proud of me. I'm proud of him. I just happen to be smart enough to follow him. See, true humility is, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I've got to keep moving here. All right. So we understand this. Here's what the foundation I'm trying to lay. We are like him. It's the father's purpose. He predestined us to be like his son. So he sent his son to be the one who paid everything that had to be paid to make us one with him. Right? We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So we're going to have to look back over here in John or in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. Because this is where we're moving now. This is where the rubber meets the road. I guarantee you, if you hear what the Spirit's saying to you today, you will come out of here metamorphosized, changed. True repentance, like Pastor Steve was talking about. Changing your mind, changing your heart. I believe that you could be transformed minute to minute. They asked Wigglesworth one time about his relationship with the Lord. And he said, well, if I'm the same a minute from now, I'm backslidden. I thought, dear Lord, I got a long way to go. But what he was li living is this. 
The Holy Spirit is in us, not in spurts. He's a living river in us, constantly changing us into the image of Christ. That's a 24-7, second-to-second happening in our life as a Christian. But here's the deal. We have the ability to not allow him to do it because he didn't take your free will away. But he crucified your free will so that you could walk in the will of God. See, if you're going to be just like Jesus, then your will is going to be his will. 640. This is a good scripture. I don't know if I've read a bad scripture. (laughs) Except maybe go out and hang yourself, you know, something like that. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Verse 40 says this, and I'm, this is the RSV, but I'm going to mix the, the King James in with it. But it says this, a disciple is not above his master. I like the King James says master. But everyone, when he is fully taught or trained, will be like his master. Have, anybody, have any of you done martial arts? Okay. If you have a, a, a black belt, usually... I saw someone, and uh, if somebody comes after me, you defend me, will you? Just use that karate. But if you understand this, that black, well, I'll put it myself. I, I was a wrestling coach. So my job was to train my wrestlers with the knowledge of wrestling that I have. So I had to train them to be wrestlers, but I had to train them the same way I was trained. It's the same way with a uh, a black belt, you know, the master, they call them. They train their disciples the same way they were trained so that when they're fully trained, they're like them. Well, it's the same way that Jesus is saying. If we're truly his disciple, then we're going to go through the same training that he went through to be liking. Say this with me. There's no shortcuts in being like Jesus. See, he doesn't have any special kids. I know we all, here's the ability of the Holy Spirit. He can make all of us feel like he's his, we're, we're his number one. I had a grandmother like that, my grandma Ruby. All the grandkids claimed, said, no, I'm, I'm your favorite one. No, I was her favorite one. Because she made us all feel like we're her favorite one. She was, had that ability to put that much attention in each one of us. So as Christians, we all, all, it's okay for you to say, I'm his favorite one. You should feel that way. Because God has unique ability to f- make you feel that way. Because he has personal attention towards you. And remember his disciples? Multitudes following Jesus. Well, let me tell you something, folks. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. They all left. I'd have probably left too. But Paul, Peter said, you know, he always said something dumb or something right, right? <laughs> Until he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And anyway, Jesus turned to him and said, now, look, you're my favorite. I, I wasn't talking to you. I was just kind of getting rid of those who don't believe in me. He didn't say that. He said, well, 
Are you going to leave too? Because see, Jesus would never compromise truth for anybody. And, and Peter made one of those famous statements of his, Lord, where would we go? Only you have the words to eternal life. And I guarantee you, Peter didn't have a clue what Jesus was talking about. He wouldn't talk, didn't know he was talking about one day there would be a communion where we become one with him, that he would shed his blood and, and, and his body would become sin. But, but one thing that Peter did know is whatever you just said is eternal life. So that we then, there's a lot of things I've, I, there's a lot of things in the Bible I don't understand yet, but I know it's eternal life. And if I keep pursuing the Lord, he'll bring me greater revelations of the word who brings me a greater revelation of Jesus. Because why? Because we're being made into his image and likeness. We're not being made into the likeness of a doctrine. God doesn't bow to your doctrine. See, doctrines that are contrary to Christ, they try and bring God down into our doctrine. Well, this is who God is. This is who God is according to what you say, but that's not God. But my, the Bible says you're not preaching the word of God. You know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what? That's a mistranslation. The literal Greek says the whole context of that of John 10, 9 is, is salvation. How's somebody going to hear the gospel unless someone is sent? How's somebody, you know? And so it says preaching comes, now the word of God is talking about this, but those who sent, what do they preach? They preach hearing of faith comes by the preaching of Christ. So what does that mean? Well, it means this. If I'm up here and I'm of the dispensational teaching, which started back in the 1850s, that all the miracles, all this disappeared with the apostles, signs and wonders aren't for today anymore. Uh, you know, God will heal you if he wants to. And the sovereignty of God came in. That is not the word of God. So I could get up here and say, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and then teach you false doctrine, and there's no faith in that. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the preaching of Christ. So everything of this word is a representation of who Christ is. So if, now if you're preaching the word, who is Christ, then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But if, if you take that and say, this is the doctrine of Christ according to my doctrine, there's no faith in it. That's why the word of God is the preaching of Christ and him crucified. That's why Paul said, I don't want to know anything about you except Christ and him crucified. I don't want to know your opinions. I don't want to know your doctrines. I don't want to know your greatest revelation. I don't want to hear your greatest revelation. There's no revelation greater than Jesus. See, so many Christians, especially in a charismatic circle, grace circle, I run into them all the time. Well, let me tell you that my greatest revelation, I don't want to hear it. Now, if Christ has revealed something to you and you share that with me, it's going to be a blessing. So I want to balance this out. I mean, there's people come to me and prophesied over me and, and man, it's awesome. 
And, I've, and some people said, what do you think of this? this? God just showed me this. And I'm like, wow, that's the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about those who think their greater revelation has to be heard by somebody. And if they don't hear my revelation, I've had people leave my church because I didn't pay attention to their great revelation. Who told me, if you just let me do what God showed me to do, your church will grow. See ya. One person makes my church grow, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit then carries that authority. The Lord spoke to me years ago at the shepherd's house. He said, son, I'm sitting right here at the door and watching people come in and out. And I'm looking at everybody's heart. And if their heart's not right, not willing to be perfected, they can't stay. So I'm not concerned about who comes and goes. I read Pastor C's office the other day and uh, the prophetic word Pastor Dwayne Sheriff gave this church. And it was about the glory of God. It's about this church being a place that can host his glory. It's a place where pruning takes place. Repentance takes place. Well, today's a part of a pruning message. Because you see, there's international uh, authority that's coming out of this place. It's on your pastor. It's on this church. You will be known internationally. So I'm just here today to help you move closer to the humility that will allow God to do that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, it's so good to be like Jesus. And it's good that he tells me when I'm not. And sometimes he doesn't have to say it. Just the way I act proves it. So the point I'm making to you right now, if you're a disciple of your master, then you're going to have to be trained the same way he was. So go to Philippians chapter 2. See, God resists. Who does God resist? Who, who receives grace? Humble. Humble. Jesus is our example of humility. To show us what it takes to be like him. Watch this in chapter 2, verse, I think it's um, 7. Have this mind among yourselves, that which is yours in Christ Jesus. That is awesome. We have the mind of Christ. So what was he like? Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptying himself, taking the form of a servant, being, being um, uh, found here in the likeness of men. Think about this. Here's the Son of God, equal with God the Father, emptied himself of that equality of God, being equal with him, and became a human being just like you and I. But he had to learn something being in the Son of Man. He had to learn how to obey the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures just like we do. And he humbled himself. And see, here's the interesting thing. 
Jesus had to empty himself of Godhead to become flesh. We have to empty himself of flesh to become like God. So our act of humility should be we have to empty ourself of self so that we can become like the Lord. And the Lord emptied himself of God so that he could become like us. Reverse process. But it has to be humility. You have to humble yourself. You, you'll never be like Christ if you don't humble yourself. Because he, he will resist you, he will resist me if I'm in pride. I might be his son, he loves me, I'm going to be in heaven, but if I start walking in pride, the Holy Spirit's going to resist me. But if I walk in humility, the Holy Spirit's going to give the grace that makes me like Jesus and makes me a living epistle. Am I making sense? This is good news, folks, because why? What do you get in return for all this? Happiness, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the equality of eternal life now, I don't have to wait till I get to heaven. Church, we, we are the body of Christ. We are the kingdom of God on earth embodied with Christ. We are living the temples of the Holy Spirit. Living epistles written of God, written of the Spirit, not in ink, not in man's doctrines and traditions, not in your opinions. We'll get to that in a minute. Got my carving knife out. It's sharp though, but it's good. Oh, this is so good. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. Look at this. He humbled himself again. He humbled himself as God, found in human form, and now being found in human form, he humbled himself again. What did he do? And became obedient. If you're not obedient, you're not humble. Obedience, listen to this. Obedience is the fragrance of love. He who loves me and has my commandments and keeps them, you know, he's the one that really loves me. But see, obedience is a fragrance of that love. If I know, I don't, I don't keep this, you know, the scriptures like you've got to, if you don't love me, you won't keep the scripture. No, because I love you. Fragrance of my love for you is obedience. Does that make sense? Sure, if you're, I'm going to say this. If you're not obedient, you don't love God. You love something better than God. You love your own self, your own opinions, fear of man, what other people think. And in that concept, you don't love God. And if you don't love God, you don't know him. He that loveth not knoweth not God. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything for you. Because... I want you free. I want you happy. I want you joyful. I don't want you to be weary, beaten down, discouraged, sick, depressed, angry, unforgiving. I don't want you. God, the Holy Ghost don't want that in you. He wants you to be like Jesus. And I'll tell you what, Jesus is not depressed. He's not poor. He's not sick. He's not judgmental. Jesus said, I won't judge you. My word will judge you. Are we walking in his words? I want, to, I want to help you be free. 
So you can go out of here without that heavy burden you came in with, with the weariness you came in with, with the pride you came in with. This just crucified pride and gets you so full of grace and humility, you just walk out here being more like Christ. And you can't do it in your strength. That's the good news. And don't sit there and beat yourself up. And don't sit there in your pride. It's the worst thing you'll ever do. You stand before a holy God and you just think you can brag on yourself. I'm going to move a long way away from you because something's coming. <laughs> and I don't want to be a part of that. I pity the person who thinks that our God's not a holy God. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a holy God. In other words, it's not the fear of punishment, it's the fear of who he is. This is good. Where are we now? He humbled himself, humbled himself again. And what did he do? He became obedient unto death, not just death, but death on a cross. I think I was meditating on that this morning. I don't know if I can get through it. When Jesus went to that cross, he knew that the Father and the Holy Spirit had to leave him. Sometimes we don't think about the Holy Spirit in this situation. Jesus was full of the Spirit. Jesus was led of the Spirit. Jesus was submitted to the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit and the Father, he knew when he went to that cross, they had to leave him. Left him alone, hanging naked before the world. And one of the most, the Romans perfected, the Greeks brought crucifixion, the Romans perfected it. To, to, so that someone could live the longest with the most excruciating pain. They perfected that cross. And here's, here's the Son of God who became the Son of Man. Then hung on a cross, tortured, beaten, until his body didn't even represent a human body anymore. For us. He who knew no sin became sin. Became sickness, disease, poverty, all of the curse for us. And don't you think if he gave all of himself for us, we ought to give all ourselves to him? There's no one else that died for me like that. I ain't going to serve nobody else. I'm not going to care what anybody else thinks of me. If I think of, if, if what you think of me uh, makes me change, then I've just desecrated the cross of Christ. For you. If you're caught into offenses, or all you're doing is you're paying more attention to what someone else said instead of what Christ did for you, and that means you're in self. That's your flesh. Because it's about you. Well, oh, you know what they said about me? I don't care. You can say anything you want about me. I'm not paying no attention to you. But if you're speaking love to me, I understand the word of God coming from you. I'll accept that. But if you're going to crucify me with your words, I'm not the one that's in trouble. You are. Now I don't apologize for that. But I just don't like what he said. I don't care. But I do care, not for my sake, but for yours. Because I'm preaching truth to you. So you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting truth. And you're saying, who do you think you are? I think I'm a man filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking by the Spirit, a word to you. That's what I believe. I believe I'm an oracle of God. 
And you should start believing the same thing. But you have to be so in love with Jesus to trust him, to know that that's the way you really are. Dorothy and I, when we first started in two little country churches, it was awesome. And it's my second message, I think. I don't remember. And I'm standing there preaching. And all of a sudden, I step out of myself, literally. I can see my back. I look around, and I look around, and there's all the people. I heard myself preaching. And that lasted maybe 30 seconds. I don't know. And all of a sudden, I stepped back into myself. And I went home. I said, Lord, what was that all about? And the Holy Spirit said, I wanted you to know that it's me speaking, not you. See, if you speak truth, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. You've got to believe that. Because you're like Jesus. And he spoke by the Spirit. He only spoke what the Father gave him. How did he get that? From the Holy Spirit. I only do what I see the Father do. How did he do that? By the Holy Spirit. You have the same Holy Spirit. It's awesome news. Look at this. Because he humbled himself unto death, therefore, see, if he would have just stopped at being a human, there would be no therefore. If he'd have stopped just at dying a normal death like everybody, there would be no therefore. But he became so obedient, he became obedient to the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. You see what I'm saying? And there are therefore moments in your life in humility where God says, now I can exalt you. Now you can be exalted. Not to build up your flesh, but to manifest Christ to other people. See, Jesus only lived for two people. God is Father and the world. He wasn't involved in it in his own will or his own ways. He said, I, I gave up my will to do the Father's will. So as Christians, we should live a twofold life for God and for others. Well, where'd myself go? He's dead. Heavens be on that cross. What do I get in return? What does it matter? But I'll tell you what you will get. You'll be like Jesus. You'll be like Jesus. You will have humbled yourself and humbled yourself. See, Jesus didn't humble himself just once. He continually humbled himself. I humbled myself when I got saved. But I tell you what, I, have to, I continually now have to humble myself. Because if I don't live a life of repentance and humility, I'll never walk in the fullness of Christ because at some level where I feel like I don't have to be humble anymore, at that level I'm resisting the Spirit. I'm not letting Him do His job, making me free, making me like Jesus. That's what He wants to do. That's what He was sent to do. Why don't you just let Him do it? The reason we don't let Him do it because it's about why. Oh, not me. Huh? You just identified yourself. When me's not alive, the real you's alive. 
And you happen to be like Jesus, his handmaiden, full of the Holy Spirit, called of God to be like Jesus so that you can reveal Jesus to others. All right, let's look at Jesus in the flesh. You know, here's the deal, brothers and sisters. I've got to encourage you in something. I hope I'm encouraging you. If I'm not, let me. The only reason I'm not encouraging you, if you're not getting encouraged, because it's about you. I can't say it any other way. Because me wants to be encouraged. Did you get that? Probably went right over your head, didn't it? See, so many Christians, they want the power of God. They want the lion. Praise God, but they don't want to be the lamb. And the lion and the lamb lay down together. If you walk in the humility of Christ, which is in you, you'll walk in the power of Christ, more power. And at the same time, there's a balance because there's people that Jesus said, I don't even know who you are. And they, well, Lord, we did all these wonderful things. I don't know who you are. If you'll seek to be the lamb, God will give you more power than you ever thought possible because he'll give you the power of the kingdom. I want you to hear these words. You will not just receive the power of gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, the anointings laying on the heck. You will receive the power of the kingdom, which involves authority. So you can have power without authority. You can have the anointing and be a carnal, but you can't have the glory and be that way. You want the glory, it means you have to not live anymore, but then you come under, the, you live in the authority of Christ. The difference. I don't have time to teach it, but there's a difference. Because when you're under the authority of Christ, self is gone. And Christ is alive. I'm still, I haven't got there yet. Well, I'm going to keep pressing on until I get there. All right, let's look at Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. How many of you have read this? A lot of you have? How many of you said, make me like that? Let me go through the process. Because I have to go through the same process Jesus did as a disciple in order to be like him. There's no shortcuts. God doesn't say, well, I love you so much. I, I really wasn't talking about you. There's that old uh, song. It's a country western song. It says, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Have you ever read, heard that song? Yeah. Me and, he's in a bar drinking. And Miss Religious So-and-So comes in. This is the song. And, and she's, well, you're drinking and doing all these things. And he says, me and Jesus got our own thing going. No, you don't. <laughs> Believe me, you don't. You got going for you the same thing Jesus had going for him when he was in the flesh. You know, Rick Renner, some of you have said, he's a great teacher. And he said he was uh, <laughs> preaching in this church one time and 
And him and the pastor, they were out, you know, in like a little cafe or something, and he was drinking, a, I think it was a Sprite. And this Miss uh, uh, Religious came in, this lady, and she's, he was drinking that Sprite, and she, she said, what would you do if the rapture came? He said, I'd give you my Sprite and go be with Jesus. <laughs> Religion will kill you. You might be watching everybody go up and you're still standing there because your religion has killed you. Now, I believe if God comes, he's going to take all of us. But it says, don't be ashamed at his appearing. Don't be ashamed at his appearing. I don't want to be ashamed. Look at this. Verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard for his godly fear. When did that happen? The Garden of Gethsemane. He cried out. It was such a torment that his body sweated blood. blood the capillaries on the, on the outer broke. Am I right as a nurse? And... and it mixed with the sweat. He, his body was in such trauma that blood was shed. And you know what that blood was shed for? Jesus wasn't just saying, my will be done. He was redeeming man's will back to God. And he's destroying the old man will. Amen. Three times he had to cry out. And, and here's the deal. I want to encourage you on something. Sometimes when we're wrestling against our flesh, it, we may not just want to give it up right away because Abraham was in love and fondly in love with Ishmael. Ishmael was his firstborn son. He says, oh, that he might live, Lord. And the Lord said, no, he can't. He's not Isaac. He's not the son of my promise. And some of us may have Ishmael's that we're so fondly attached to, you may have to cry out and, and to God to get rid of that thing. Because some of you don't want to let go of it. Well, I've been this way all my life. Who are you talking about? You're talking about your old man. He's been that way. But now that you're a new creation in Christ, you're not that way. You've got to throw away your, your favorite comfortable uh, uh, reclining chair. You know? You've got to throw away that old T-shirt that's nothing more than a bunch of rags that you wear all the time. Uh-huh. I had one. Dorothy tried to get me rid of it for a long time. My favorite T-shirt, you know, there's not hardly anything left of it. Yeah, but it's my favorite shirt. <laughs> had to have a ceremony for it. Yeah. <laughs> Bury that thing. <laughs> there are things in our life that we have to wrestle with God with because we fear him and reverence him. And he'll give you the ability to let go of it. Because Jesus said something very powerful. He said, my flesh is weak. Jesus said that. But my spirit is willing. And therein is the battle. Brothers and sisters, our, my flesh is weak. I know what Rich Van Winkle, the old, I know what I'd do without Christ. Because I already know what he did without Christ. And it wasn't pretty. You weren't pretty before you got saved, so give it up. Not me. I've been in Sunday school since I was a little kid. Okay. Are you like Jesus? 
Are you just proud of all those stars you got on your chart? I'm messing with you, but I'm telling you the truth. There are things that can just, little foxes kill the vine, not big ones. And those little things in your life that you think, well, they're not, they're, they're insignificant. They're not insignificant. Everything of the flesh is not insignificant. But we're all going, even Paul said, I haven't reached all, you know, Paul didn't walk and all he preached. You understand that, don't you? He was writing by the inspiration of the Spirit, the New Testament, almost 60% of the New Covenant. And Paul said, I haven't obtained all of this yet. He was writing by inspiration of the Spirit. And his life was motivated by that. But Paul said, I haven't got it all yet. But I keep pressing on. And you've got to understand, I don't have it all yet. You don't have it all yet. But we've got to keep pressing on because God gave us his word. We're going to be like Jesus when he's through with us. Am I right? See, sanctification is easy for me. The Holy Spirit takes my hand, walks me up to Jesus, and says, when I'm through with you, you're going to be just like him. That's sanctification. When I went to seminary, we had to read a book this thick on sanctification. After I read it, I had no idea what sanctification was. <laughs> just big words that I couldn't understand. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit is a sanctifier. And he has one goal in mind. He's got his eye on Jesus, and he's trying to put your eye on him. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus then, he had to wrestle against his flesh, but he did it through loud cries and tears unto God, and he was heard for his godly fear. And listen to this next verse. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. That wasn't the cross that's talking about. It wasn't sin, sickness, and disease. What did he suffer? Well, first of all, he was rejected. He went to his hometown. They wanted to throw him over a cliff. His own brothers didn't believe in him. He was rejected. Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected. But now look, watch this. How did he learn obedience from that? He learned not to let the rejection control him. He stayed faithful to the word of God. This is what I'm saying. If you've suffered rejection and you haven't learned obedience to the word, that rejection is keeping you from being like Christ. Oh, they rejected me. Praise God, you're in good company. They rejected Jesus. Yeah, but. There's no yeah, but. He learned obedience. How did he learn that? When something contrary to the word happened in his life, he went with the word. He went with the spirit. He went with his father. He didn't deviate and come out of his relationship with the father because somebody rejected him. He learned obedience. You learn obedience through your rejection. You learn obedience through your unforgiveness. You learn obedience through somebody stabbing you in the back. Jesus had a betrayer. Well, I've been betrayed. Praise God, you're in good company. Now it's an opportunity to learn obedience. Not to what person did to you, but what Christ done for you. Be obedient to his gospel. Be obedient to his spirit. Be obedient to your father in heaven. Be obedient to your master. You're going to learn. If you don't learn through this, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be bitter. You're going to be upset. You're going to be hurt. Because why? Because you're not obedient to the truth. Because when you become obedient, you get set free. 
I mean, (laughs) 50 years of ministry, Dorothy and I have been rejected a few times. We've been called everything you can think of by these holy people. serious. Man, we were called some ugly things. Rejected. We was going to our first church we were really going to build. The elders come together and decided Dorothy and I were false prophets. Told all the people in the the church, don't even let it in your house. Okay. Don't want to go there anyway. Didn't like your cooking, just didn't tell you. <laughs> Thank God I can't come to your house. No, I'm serious. Dorothy and I, none of that's in my heart. I care for them. They're wrong. And guess what? We've been reconciled to almost all of those people. Amen. God reconciled us. Amen. Because I don't bear it in my heart. But I'll tell you what happened during that time. We went to another church. <laughs> There's about 15 people in the church, and Dorothy and I are three kids. We're five of them. And uh, after we left, the pastor told all of his 10-member flock, don't have anything to do with them. He's a false teacher, and he's coming to this town to... Okay, I don't care. His church folded, by the way. So I went to the Baptist church just around the corner from our house, and I met with the pastor after the service, and I said, Pastor, would you mind if I met with you on Saturdays that we could just pray together? He said, I'd like that. So I met with him every Saturday morning, never prayed in tongues, never talked to him about tongues, just prayed with him. We prayed for the church. I prayed for each other. We prayed for him. And uh, (laughs) when we moved, he came and helped us move. And he looked at me and he said, I've been in the ministry 25 years, and I was getting ready to quit and resign. He said, when you came and prayed with me, God revisioned me, empowered me again to preach the gospel. Church love never fails. Love never fails. And we should be a people that walks in love. There are times when people, I had a Presbyterian minister. We, we were just sharing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one day I was in his office and he said, I, I want to be filled with the Spirit. And I said, okay. I laid hands on him and I'm telling you, this guy goes, he grabs my hand, he's down on his knees, he's standing, I'm going. <laughs> but he said, the power, the power, the power. And then he started speaking in tongues. But I didn't force that on him. I didn't even mention it. We were just sharing it until he finally said, I want that. I said, praise God, you can have it. You don't have to force Jesus on people. He's got a way by the Spirit to make himself known through you. You have to have the wisdom to know how he wants to do it. That's a side note there. But do you understand the thing about suffering now? It's not sickness. If it was, the whole world's suffering for Christ. It's those areas of your life where you've been hurt or damaged or rejected or whatever it is, yet you remained obedient to God. I know a lot of pastors today that's not in the ministry because they got offended. Well, God, I can't believe you let this happen to me. Well, I can. 
You're dealing with a bunch of people that's carnal. And they're allowed to say some dumb things to you. <laughs> Who cares? You got the problem. I don't. He said, oh, that's prideful. No, it's not. It's prideful when you think you've got something to correct me with and it's not God. And it's prideful on your part to think that you're sent to correct me. You're not. You guys are quiet. Because, you see, if you come into the judgment against me, that's not the spirit of Christ. If it's not the spirit of Christ, I ain't going to listen to you. I don't care who you are. Too many pastors, 1,500 a month are leaving the ministry. You know why? They have pulpit fights. So-and-so out there, self-righteous one, there's always one somewhere. Telling the pastor how to do things, telling leadership how to do things. So they don't have the guts to face them until they get behind the pulpit and preach to them. And they don't get it. So the sheep's getting the daylights beat out of them, and the ghosts are like, you need to hear this. Because they don't get it. They're so full of pride. When I was a young man, younger than I am now, I'm only 75. I'm a youngster. I'm serious. I'm a young guy. But this guy came, an older gentleman in the Lord. And he said, son, he said, preach to the sheep and let the goats starve to death. And I have followed that all my ministry. The Lord said, if, if, if a face comes before you and you're preaching and all of a sudden you center that, the, the word on that person, he said, you're missing the Holy Spirit. So I just let the goat starve. They'll do one of two things. They'll repent or they'll leave because they're not getting fed. They feed on junk. They feed on pride. They feed on self. And they'll weasel themselves into leadership so that they can control the pastor and everybody else, I won't have it. I won't have it. I had a man coming up one time. He, he, he had a good voice. He could sing. But it came to the point it was pride. And he asked if he could sing this Sunday morning. And I just knew in my heart, this guy's out of order. I said, yeah, come on up. He got about 10 feet from me. The closer he got to me, his face just got bright red, bright red. And finally he fell down under the power of God. He'd never asked to sing again. Stayed in the church. Sometimes you, let, you need to let God talk for you. Because they don't get it from you. And if they don't get it from God, God will turn them over to reparate mine. You can only resist the Spirit so long. But now let me tell you this. Let me balance this out because some of you are sitting there saying, oh my God. We all Resist the spirit in one way or another, okay? Myself included. You just talk with my wife afterwards and she'll tell you. <laughs> We're all being changed, church. But we've got to be obedient just like Jesus was. And then it says, this should be setting you free. Although he's a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being 
made perfect, being perfected. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who believe in him. We must go through the same process. And if we let God do it, we'll come out with the same results. We'll be like him. We'll have the fear of God. He was heard for his godly fear. What is that? Lord, I, I, I don't want in any way to be disobedient to you. You're a holy God and you're making me into your image and likeness. I fear. When Paul came to the Corinthians, he said, I came in fear and trembling. He wasn't afraid of the people. He was one of the most educated men on earth. He was fearful that he might come with his own wisdom and not the power of God and the Holy Spirit. He was trembling before God, not man. Because he was godly fear that, oh God, that I would come with my wisdom instead of the demonstration of the spirit and power because people's faith can't work in my, in my wisdom, but it trusts in the power of God. We, we ought to have this fear and trembling on the inside of us. That I want to be really careful what I say to you because you're someone Christ died for. You're his body. And if I hurt you, I hurt him. Jesus takes it personal. What are those who cause one of my little ones to stumble? You ever stub your little toe? Your whole body takes it personal. <laughs> right? Ah, grab that little thing. You, you stub one of God's little toes, he takes it personal. Because he's the head, that's his body. And my head takes it personal when my little toe gets smashed. So does the head. Brothers, you've got to hear this because you want, God wants this place to host his glory. If you stub the toe through your opinion of one of Christ's children, and that means, I don't care if they're 100 years old, but I'm talking about one of his kids, Jesus takes it personal. Well, I just don't like so-and-so. Well, you don't like Jesus, do you? That's his body. His blood was shed for that person. You better be careful how you treat him. Well, if they just was spiritual like me. <laughs> you self-righteous thing. You're a filthy rag to God. That's not nice. God's not nice. God is not nice. Nice is woke. Well, you hurt my feelings. God will hurt your feelings every day. Why? Because he's after something in you. He wants you to be like his son. And if you live by your feelings, you can't be a disciple of Jesus. We don't have a woke God. And, I'm, and the sad thing is a lot of the church does. We don't allow homosexuality to be a part of the doctrine of Christ. God made a man and a woman. A man's a man, a woman's a woman. It's the way God made them. We don't apologize for it. I am not a nice person. Now, 
I am nice. And if you're around me long enough, you'll know according to the world's term of nice, I'm nice. But according to God, I'm a man of God. You're a woman of God. And that always, doesn't always mean you're nice. But it means you have love to help somebody. If I encourage somebody in their sin because I'm nice, I'm not helping them. I want the grace to lead them out of that. Am I making sense to you? The Holy Spirit's not a gentleman either. He's God. He's God. The world has gentlemen. God's not a gentleman. He's God. You see, when he came into my house, he said, I don't like that chair. I'm going to throw it out. Oh, I don't like where the couch is at. I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to rearrange your inside according to me. Now, we're, we're guests with, with uh, Pastor Steve and Kim and Kay, and, and, and I don't go in there and tell them how to rearrange their house. I stay out of Kay's kitchen. I don't mess with it. It's her kitchen. Her kitchen. Leave my kitchen alone. Okay. But see, now when the Holy Spirit came in, he messed with my kitchen. The gentleman doesn't do that, but God does. I'm going to kick you out of your kitchen and bring you into my kitchen where you can cook a flavor of the Holy Ghost. Am I, are you listening to what I'm saying to you? I'm not over your head, am I? God doesn't come as a gentleman in your life. He comes as God to make you like his son. And there's some things in your life that he has to get rid of. And he doesn't, he doesn't come in there and, oh, that's okay. You like it. You can keep it. No, you don't. I don't like it. It's got to go. Why? Because he's conforming you into the image of Jesus. That's awesome, isn't it? And some of you have got to really surrender because some of you are digging your heels in real deep right now. I won't call you out. I could. I'm serious. I can read your mail like a... I can see it. I don't like it. For your sake. And the sake of the body of Christ. I want you prepared when you stand before the Lord. I want you to hear him say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Best words you'll ever hear. And I just pray the Holy Spirit to touch your hearts right now. Holy Spirit, touch their hearts. Show them how much you love them. And if you're digging your heels in right now, that's, that's you. That's your flesh. I just don't like what you're saying. I don't like what you're thinking. Neither does God. He wants you to change your heart and let him have it. How many of this morning would say, I want that? Put your hand over your heart. Say, Lord, I want this. 
I want to be like Jesus. I give you full permission by an act of my will to come and change me and deliver me from all those other things that would prevent me from being like you. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.